This podcast is brought to you by the good people over at Gamefly. With over 9,000 titles for the PS4, PS3, Xbox One, Xbox 360, Nintendo Switch, Wii, and other consoles, there's no better time for gamers to make the most of their systems by using Gamefly to play all the new and classic games for as little as 32 cents a day. To start your 30-day free trial, head on over to cinemageekly.com slash Gamefly or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. To a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Oh! Oh! What the hell? Oh my god. Get off that shot. That's just tasteful. Well, folks, I. We'll see you on January 1st. We're back live. Stay with us tonight. The movie Battleship is coming up next. Despicable. It's a brand new episode of the Elita Cinema Geekly's AEW podcast. It is Anthony Lewis and Nick Montez. We're back to talk more AEW Dynamite on TNT. It's the end of the year, Nick. And uh, with that comes the final Dynamite of 2019. And uh, also, we've got our best of picks for 2019. I guess we'll go over those uh, at the end of the show. But Sounds like a plan. Uh, before we hop into this week's episode of Dynamite, uh, I want to quickly uh, talk over what happened on Dark this week. I don't know if you saw it, but the guest commentator for this week was Vicky Guerrero. Yes. And at near the end of the show, they were joined for the last couple of matches by Joey Janela. <laughs> and Joey Janela and Vicky Guerrero just played off of each other for like three matches and it was magical, kind of? It was a it was little a weird. Fun. It was a little weird. They were kind of like <laughs> flirting with each other, kind of, and it was strange. Oh, um, dude, Vicky was all about the men in the ring, talking about their muscles and stuff. I'm like, she might be more thirsty than JR. Yeah, she was still playing her WWE character, the, the cougar, uh, <laughs> going after all these young men. Uh, the show was actually pretty good. There was a SCU private party match that I thought was really good that I gave three and a quarter stars to. Uh, there was a, a not so great Britt Baker Machiko match. Uh, a, a, a better Bree P, uh, Bree Priest, uh, B Priestley and, uh, Chris Statlander match, uh, that Chris Statlander won. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. And uh, the main event, I thought, was a lot of fun. The Hybrid 2 and Pack against Best Friends. I gave that match three and a half stars, Nick. I thought that was a, I thought that was a real fun match. I don't know if you saw this, but the highlight of this match, and I mean it when I say the highlight, the, the, the highlight of this match was Orange Cassidy's hot tag, which was... Unbelievable! Like, the crowd was into this match, but they wanted Orange Cassidy to be tagged in. And finally, it reached a point where only Orange Cassidy could be tagged in, and he just flops his arm over the top rope. You know how, like, most people will stretch out their arm, reaching for that hot tag? He's just like, I guess, and flops his arm over the top rope, and he gets <laughs> tagged in, and it is the loudest reaction. Like, as a standing ovation... As he gets into the ring, and uh, he uh, he does his Orange Cassidy stuff. He does, like, the drop kick and the nip-up and the uh, hands-in-the-pocket dive. 
And uh, he also ends up doing this awesome tilt-a-whirl into a DDT on Pack, which was awesome. Uh, Unfortunately, Hybrid 2 and Pack ended up winning that match, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, Worth checking out. And we'll talk about uh, what happens on, uh, what you can expect to see on Dark uh, on the next episode, which will be the only AEW that we'll get next week, as there will not be a, a Christmas episode. Apparently... There will be some sort of Christmas NXT episode, although it sounds like they've they taped a match uh, that will air on that show, and the rest of the show will be a like a 2019 highlights show uh, or something along those lines. So, Makes sense. No head to head episode next week. Uh, this week's episode, episode 12 of Dynamite, starts off immediately with Kenny Omega and Hangman Page against the Lucha Brothers. So. There's some momentum trading back and forth early on in this match until the Lucha Brothers isolate Hangman Page, and uh, Page eventually gets the tag to Omega, but he's cut off and they work over him for a while. Uh, I just wrote here, Dark Order doing some Undertaker shit. Yeah. Like, I remember, it just the screen glitched, and there was, like, Evil Uno for a second. It just reminded me of that one episode of Raw where, like, the Undertaker's magic was taking over Raw. Uh, so that's the first thing that came to my mind. Um, Phoenix hits this awesome hook kick on Omega. He goes for a rolling Hurricane Rana, but Omega gives him a power bomb. hits the flying knee, goes for the hot tag, but it is broken up. Eventually he gets the tag to Paige, and he comes in and runs wild. Hits a drop salt on the Lucha Brothers for a two count. The Lucha Brothers then make a comeback. Omega gets back in. There's a double team combos from Omega and Page that ended in a sky high on Pentagon for a two. Uh, Kenny hits a Snapdragon on Phoenix. And you know what happens next, Nick. Something was supposed to happen here where I think Phoenix is supposed to take the Snapdragon and he's supposed to no-sell it. Like he's mm-hmm. supposed to roll backwards from the from the Dragon Suplex. And then I think he's supposed to roll forwards and do the cutter. But, like, Pentagon jumped in to grab Kenny, and Phoenix literally does a rolling Ace Crusher onto the Invisible Man. And then he rolled out of the ring. Uh, he was not <laughs> happy about this. Kenny holding on to Pentagon for a buckshot lariat, but Penta moves out of the way, and Kenny gets hit with the uh, buckshot, and he gets hit with the package pile driver double stop combination for the win. Uh, Post match, I didn't think Phoenix looked very professional here. Uh, if you watched him, like he's kicking the turnbuckle. He's mad because his spot was blown and you can even see him just getting out of the ring. He doesn't look happy, which you can't do that everybody, because it looks like you're mad that you won. So Mm -hmm. you just can't do it. It's a Shawn Michaels move where a spot gets blown and he's really mad. Even if he won, well, fuck my spot was blown. So now I'm pissed, even though I won the match. Uh, you can't do that. Uh, what, before we talk about what happens with Pac, uh, what did you think of the opener, uh, Nick? Good start to the show. Um, I do like that how much they played up the tension between Hangman and Omega. I felt like it was kind of mentioned last week, but it was more so done in the match rather than on commentary. This week they really went over it. Um, I love the uh, ch- chance for cowboy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think on every um, every time I take notes for the show, instead of calling him Hangman, I just call him Cowboy Shit now. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of Cowboy he, Shit chants. And uh, I'm pretty sure Hangman, over the course of that match, when Pentagon was throwing the Cerro Miero at him, he uh, threw a, a Cowboy Shit right back in his face. So mm-hmm. was a big fan of that. Um, I gave this match three and a half stars. Yeah. Solid match. A little bit of awkwardness, but, you know, nothing to be upset about, really. No. Uh, I gave the match the same score. I thought it was really good. Three and a half. Uh, that being said, this is a kind of an ongoing theme with AEW. Uh, I expected this to be way better than three and a half. Uh, every time I've heard about Kenny and Phoenix together, and it's not like they didn't work good together. They did, but... You know, it's like these guys did a TV match. And there was a time where they were doing TV matches on Dynamite where there were some blow... Like, they've had some four and above matches on Dynamite, but there hasn't been any for a while. 
and this was really good, but I was expecting this to be way better than than it was. So it's weird that it's it's three and a half because that's really good, but simultaneously it also feels underwhelming because I was expecting bigger. Uh, and especially contrasted with, I'm not going to talk about NXT, that's why we have an NXT podcast, but contrasted with what was on NXT this week, uh, they're still doing like four-star matches on that show. So uh, AEW is getting out-wrestled here, which honestly I wasn't positive was going to happen, but I figured AEW would be able to keep pace. Like I know they don't have the as deep a roster as NXT has, but I figured they'd keep pace, but they're getting way out-wrestled. Uh, Grapple, uh, by the way, gave this a 3.53. So, hey, we're all on board with yeah. the score. That's a good start, everybody. Uh, post-match, uh, uh, Hangman Page is mad at Kenny, and it looks like they may come to blows when he is interrupted by Pac, who presumably uh, he's still mad about not getting his match with Kenny Omega, and he goes to kill Michael Nakazawa, and Kenny runs off to try and uh, uh, save his life. But I don't know whatever happened. Uh, maybe he didn't <laughs> save his life. I'm guessing he didn't. Uh, but we didn't. We didn't get a. We didn't get a conclusion to what happened to Michael Nakazawa. Sure, we'll uh, find out on BTE eventually. <laughs> yes. Uh, the announcers run down the card for the evening, and then we go right into our next match: The Butcher and the Blade versus Cody and Darby Allen. Uh, this starts out with Darby doing his thing early, uh, running around guys, striking and moving. Uh, Cody is way over. It's, it's crazy how popular this guy is everywhere they go. Uh, he gets into the ring, but the butcher smashes him. Cody gets worked over uh, and they kicked his ass throughout the break. Uh, coming back from the break, there's a hot tag to Darby who hits a code red, but there's no count because the butcher got the blind tag, and he also blindsides Darby Allen, so they take control and they work uh, Darby over a little bit. Darby then hits the over-the-top stunner, gets Cody back in, uh, hits what I can only describe as an MJF-level crossroads on the butcher. <laughs> it was not Cody's best-looking crossroads. Uh, the bunny interferes though to stop the count. Uh, then there's we get double topes from Darby and Cody, although Darby almost died on his. I don't know what happened, but yeah. he's a lunatic, and he almost got killed here. Uh, Darby hits the coffin drop on the butcher on the apron, and Cody hits the Oz cutter, which they are now calling the Cody cutter. He hit that on the blade for the win, uh, which now means Darby Allen will get his rematch with Cody Rhodes. Uh, what did you think of this tag match, Nick? I kind of thought the the beginning of this match is what a, last week's match should have been to, because the Butcher and the Blade looked dominant early on. Mm-hmm. You know, they looked unstoppable. This should have been what their debut match was. Yeah. So I was kind of happy to see them finally looking like killers, mm-hmm. except for the fact that they get beat in the end by Darby and Cody. Um, I don't know. I, I just it feels weird that they've already taken a loss so quickly, but I guess you're trying to build towards Cody and Darby being the storyline that happens next. Although this whole thing just started with Cody. I don't know. It just, it was kind of weird for me. Um, yeah. I, this one, two and three quarter stars. It was, it was an okay match. It just, I don't know. I feel like there's some weirdness in the storytelling here. Okay. I mean, I ended up liking this one, uh, more than you. I went three and a quarter. I thought this mm-hmm. was good. Uh, mostly uh, the addition of Darby Allen and uh, his overness with the crowd combined with Cody's overness with the crowd, again, helped. Uh, I think the Butcher and the Blade are okay, but they're mm-hmm. very much a basic clubber smash tag team, which is okay, but not blow away for me. Um, so yeah, I went three and a quarter. Grapple three Point one. So yeah, right in between, kind of. Yeah, we're in the ballpark. We are in the ballpark, everybody. Uh, we'll say that coffin drop onto the apron was one of the coolest parts of the match. I thought that was sweet. Yes. Uh, we then get a Jungle Boy training videos. He's training for his match with Chris Jericho. Uh, he does some impressive shit in this training video, like the box jump, the box jumps with the weights. Uh, he's got like the like the the barbell or whatever it is the 
I don't know what those are called. I don't work out everybody. Uh, but he's got them on his shoulders and he's doing box jumps. That's ridiculous. And they do this like wide uh, shot, this drone shot of him like running. He is fast. Uh, it's crazy. It's a really good training video. Uh, and then we get squash match, Nick. Awesome Kong, Miranda Alizé. There's a weird inset video from Brandy. Uh, by the way, the bald guy is with them. Uh, according to uh, Brian Alvarez, that is Dr. Luther. It's a, like a longtime Canadian indie guy, I believe, and friend of Chris Jericho and Lance Storm. All right. So <laughs> that was also my response. I was like, all right, uh, here's the match. Backfist, implant buster, haircut, this ain't working, I wrote. Uh, I gave it one star. Because, you know, Awesome Kong hit her two moves good. I did the same, one star. And I think I wrote the exact same notes. <laughs> Just those three words. <laughs> the, the, this, this ain't working? It's it's not working. Uh, 0.61 from Grapple. They didn't even feel like giving this a, a one. I disagree. Like, she did her moves okay. She uh, didn't hurt, hurt anything? No. Uh, Jim Ross sits down with Jungle Boy. Uh, Jungle Boy says Chris Jericho, the man, does not scare him. But Chris Jericho, the legend, it's somebody he respects, he respects his body of work, says he's ready for this pressure. Says that you can, you know, you either thrive or you die under pressure, and he's he's ready for it says that his dad would be proud of this, that they often talked about what this day would look like in his career, and he's ready for it, and you know his dad would be proud. This was a great babyface interview. Jungle Boy came off as, like, the most likable person in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris Jericho and Jungle Boy with a 10-minute time limit, and this match is Jericho ragdolling him. He hits a code breaker, but he doesn't pin him. Uh, he hits him with a second one, but he picks him up from the three. Uh, Jake Hager uh, nails him behind the ref's back, so what a dick. Like, Jericho is just destroying this kid, and Jake Hager still needs to interfere on Jericho's <laughs> behalf. Um, Luchasaurus and Marco battle Jake Hager. Well, Marco doesn't battle him so much as that he flies at Jake Hager's forearm, and Jake Hager <laughs> kills him. Uh, yep. They're all ejected from the match. Jericho gets back into the ring and gets inside cradled for a two. Jungle Boy hits three straight dives in a row. Uh, hits a diving DDT on Jericho for a two. A backstabber for a two. Uh, Jericho goes for the lion salt, but he misses. Jungle Boy hits one, and he gets a two. Jericho cuts him off, hits a powerbomb, puts him in the walls of Jericho with one minute left. Uh, and Jungle Boy tries to get to the ropes, but Jericho pulls him away and, and sinks it in deep. And uh, Jungle Boy manages to hold on for the time limit. Jericho is pissed off. Says that he wants five more minutes. The bell rings. And he gets back into the ring and Jungle Boy hits the pop-up Hurricane Rana. This gets a two. He gets a crucifix on Jericho for a two. And then Jericho gets out of the ring real quick. Grabs the belt and walks off. And also there was no count out. What was that? <laughs> Like, if they just ended it with the time limit draw... Now, somebody had said that this was a... Uh, uh, that this was a... An exact copy of a Jerry Lawler, Ric Flair, Memphis angle. Where Chris Jericho is playing Ric Flair here. Like, where Ric Flair demanded the extra time. And then powdered. And, like, walked off and got counted out. Except... This wasn't a count-out, and they even go out of their way later on in the show. We'll talk about it when we get there, I guess, but they bring this up again where they note that that wasn't official, even though the bell rang and the referee counted pinfalls. <laughs> I did not like this. Jericho carries that kind of stroke that he can put not only the announcer but the person ringing the bell and the referee all under duress and make them start a match that isn't official, I guess. Yes, that's 
some some kind of power he wields. Yes. Uh, I mean, I like the match for what it was. What about you? Other than that, yeah. Anything. The, the match for what it was was great. That was weird, definitely. Like, I thought he was just going to get counted out at the end, and then he walks away, and that's kind of the end of the segment. And I was like, that's a little weird. It was. Um, it was great to see how um, you really got to see how Jungle Boy is quite athletic in this match. I've been watching Jungle Boy in GCW a long time before he came to AEW, and he is just fantastic. So I hope this leads to him getting more of a spotlight on him. Um, I give the match itself three stars. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I didn't, I didn't put it down at all because of what happened at the end, although it was weird. Yeah, uh, I also gave the match three stars. Uh, it was weird, but uh, like the end end was weird, and it was made even weirder later on when they doubled down on the fact that. It, none of that happened at the end was official, even though the official official was counting pins. So I don't know. Uh, Grapple gave this a 3.4. So they liked it quite a bit. More than us, even. Uh, up next, uh, Tony Schiavone is with Chris Jericho. He's throwing a fit, insisting that Jungle Boy did not beat him, which he didn't. Uh, but then also insisted that he never said that Jungle Boy couldn't last 10 minutes with him, which, of course, he did. He's trying to shift attention to John Moxley, says that they've been prepping for John Moxley to join, uh, says that they've got a big surprise for him when he makes his uh, decision and wishes him a Merry Christmas. That's pretty good. Uh, Jen yeah. Decker is backstage with SCU. Christopher Daniels is about to cut a big promo on the Young Bucks when Pentagon and Phoenix show up. Uh, Pentagon shows up with Christopher Daniels' botch on his phone. He's got like a GIF playing of Christopher Daniels' botch and says that he doesn't have it anymore. And Christopher Daniels looks at Pentagon and then walks off. They really played that up on BTE this week. I think they named the episode after it. (laughs) Uh... I wrote here, though, that this felt to me like WWE levels of awkward. It was just strange. Like, I I, th- I would think I would have rather just have him cut a promo on the Young Bucks. I'd, like, build for this match as opposed to this Christopher Daniels thing. And there was no payoff to it in this episode anyway. Uh, it right. just felt a little weirdly disjointed to me. Uh, and also the way it happened. Like, if you don't know anything about the botch or forgotten about it already... Pentagon shows up in his broken English and tries to say you don't have it anymore and you can't even really make out what's on his phone (laughs) so he's just holding his phone up with a clip playing but you don't know what it is exactly unless you do know what it is but if you don't you're like what is this and what did he say and then Christopher (laughs) Daniels stares at him and then walks off like I'm sure there are a lot of people going what was that Uh, not the most thoroughly thought out segment there I don't think Number one contendership for the AEW Women's Championship, Chris Statlander, uh, Britt Baker. Um, So, here's some sentences that I didn't think I'd ever write down, Nick, but Britt blocks the boop. Chris hits a dip and then a boop. (laughs) Then they trade holds and pinning combinations heading into a picture-in-picture break. By the way, Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone are like, what's going on with this boop? And uh, Excalibur explains that that is how her species communicates. And Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone are fucking flabbergasted at this. <laughs> Just like, oh. what? Uh, Thank God for Excalibur. <laughs> after the break, uh, Statlander is control uh, in control. I wrote here that the crowd seems polite, but not all that into it. Uh, mm. Britt hits an ugly-looking sling blade and then some clunky movements. I just wrote a lot of clunky movements. Not moves. Movements. Um, (laughs) She's just... I don't think she's ready for prime time. I wrote here, more Undertaker shit with Dark Order. Uh, Something must have flashed on the screen. Superplexed from Britt. She goes to hit another move, but uh, Chris counters with a Michinoku driver. Uh, Disket Lariat uh, is attempted, but it is countered into a lockjaw attempt. But Chris stands up with her on her shoulders, drills Britt Baker with the Big Bang Theory for the win. 
before we talk about the post-match, what did you think of the match, Nick? I liked it. Um, Chris, I, I'll say this about her finisher. I think the first week I wasn't a big fan of the Big Bang Theory just because it looked like, I don't know, maybe from the camera angle or whatever, it didn't really look like she was doing anything. But the last two matches I've seen her use it, and it looks brutal. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Statlander's just getting better and better. Um, the lockjaw attempt out of the discus was a very cool spot, I thought. Um, I gave this one three stars. I liked it. I'm excited to see Statlander take on Rio here in the future. Yes. Um, I thought this was pretty good. Uh, Chris, Chris Statlander looks great. She's clearly got something. I don't know how well the alien thing is going to play uh, to like TV audiences and stuff. Uh, especially if they're going as far into it as it seems that they're going as far into it uh, with. Uh, there's definitely... Um, I was listening to some people discussing the show, and there's definitely this mindset out there that a lot of people were hoping AEW would be a complete antithesis to WWE. I think a lot of people were hoping for like uh, NXT plus New Japan, something along those lines. Like, very, very sports-oriented, not just talking about numbers and stuff, but also, like, the wrestlers and the type of wrestler and stuff like that. And there are kind of a lot of cartoon characters in AEW right now. Uh, And Statlander is a good wrestler, but her character is a little weird. Uh, Like, I don't mind it, but I know there's going to be a lot of people who will, in fact, mind it a lot. It is a little goofy. Uh, I don't mind Goofy so much, but it's it's definitely going to be a problem because there's going to be people who don't want any goofiness. The WWE is, has drilled all the goofiness out of their heart. Uh, so I gave this two and three quarters. I thought this was pretty good. And Grapple went 2.7. I think we're kind of mostly on the same page here, yeah? Yeah, I'd say so. Post-match, Tony Schiavone tries to interview Chris Statlander. Chris boops him. And Tony Schiavone says, where am I? (laughs) Awesome response. And uh, then he gets interrupted by Brandy Rhodes. And Tony Schiavone says something along the lines of, like, I hate to get in the middle of this. And Jim Ross is like, no, you don't. (laughs) Uh, He just clowns him. Uh... Brandy out here to recruit Chris Statlander again. The crowd is against this. Chris teases booping Brandy, but instead wags her booping finger at her. Brandy uh, then gets mad, and Chris Chris Statlander literally gets healed on by Brandy's heel. Uh, The crowd mildly boos this turn of events. You gotta stop this nightmare collective thing. It's Come on, not, Brandy. Who uses the shoe? It's not working, everybody. I don't know what they're going for here, but this is just it's not working. Uh Sean Spears and Tully Blanchard are backstage and they are on a quest to find the perfect tag team partner for Sean Spears. You see, Spears is Tully Blanchard, and they need to find his Arn Anderson. Who's it gonna be? Who do you think it'll be, Nick? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's nobody, but we'll see. Uh, a big tag team title hype package uh, video takes us into our main event. SCU defending the AEW Tag Team Championships against the Young Bucks. Uh, both moved. Uh, both teams try for uh, their double team finishers, but they are broken up both times. Uh, and uh, this kind of transfers into them trading moves. Uh, with momentum changes back and forth real quick. Uh, Nick Jackson runs wild. Uh, Avalanche Hurricane Rana uh, with a PK and a Shawn Michaels elbow from Matt Jackson for a two. Uh, Nick Jackson with the Escalera dive to the outside going into the picture-in-picture break. Uh, Kaz runs wild on the Young Bucks after the break, assisted DDT for a two. Uh, Scorpio's TKO is countered, and Matt hits him with a spear. Uh, Nick Jackson tries to do this Phoenix-esque springboard move, but gets a cutter for his troubles. And a double dragon sleeper uh, is applied. 
it is at this point that Excalibur has to point out that the added minutes to the Jericho match that the ref counted for don't count. It's a draw. <laughs> at that point, I was just upset. I was just like, why? Why? Why did the ref count then? Like, she didn't have to. She stood up to... And the the thing is, I can't buy that Jericho, like, bullied the ref into counting because it's Aubrey. And Aubrey has always stood up to Chris Jericho. She never backs mm. down to him. So, I, I didn't get it. Anyway... Uh, they get out of this double dragon sleeper. Scorpio hits the TKO, and they hit the SCU later for the three. The match is over. Uh, what did you think of the main event? It was a, it was an excellent match as far as well, maybe not excellent. I'd say it was a great match um, between uh, SCU and the Bucks. Like kind of reminiscent of things I'd see them do in Ring of Honor. But yeah, it did kind of end abruptly, mm-hmm. like uh, a lot sooner than I thought it would. Um, I, I think I wrote like "Holy flips" because there's a lot of flippy shit going on in this match, yes. uh, as the Bucks love to do. Um, I gave this one three and a half stars. I think it was one of the best things on the show, uh, but just wow, ended way too soon. Like I was just getting into it. I feel like, and then it was over. Mm-hmm. Uh... My thoughts exactly. I gave the same score, three and a half. I thought it was a really good match, but it ended abruptly. I thought the ending was really anticlimactic. And honestly, I think the Bucks should have won the match and the titles here. Uh, As has been stated, they're trying very, 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 very hard to not be Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash and all the guys in WCW who had power and then booked themselves into powerful spots. And they want to use their star power to try to make other people. But the problem is they're losing the shine on their own star in the process. And absolutely, I don't think this was a good move. I think the young bucks should have won the titles here. And the young bucks can make stars even better if they make themselves bigger stars first. It's okay to be a little selfish. Uh, as long as it's going to be a, a net positive in the long run. But if you burn right, out I, everything, like they've been doing this with Kenny Omega as well. Like I still see Kenny Omega as a big star, but he was an infinitely bigger star going into this company than where he is now uh, at the moment. So yeah, I, I think I thought this was a, a good match, but it ended very abruptly. Uh, Grapple gave this a 3.58. So, right in that ballpark with us. Post-match... Oh, go ahead. You said that because I I totally expected the Bucks to win the titles here. Because mm-hmm. I think, if anything, they should have a good run with those belts. And then whoever beats them is going to be made. They are really yeah. just taking their stock down with every loss they take. Like, And it wasn't a big deal at first because, you know, I respect them for trying to make other people. But mm-hmm. let's be real. They're the biggest stars as far as the tag team division go. They need to make somebody else, and I don't feel like they're making SCU by giving them this awkward win. No. And it kind of just felt out of nowhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Post-match, creepers come out all over the place. The lights come out. When they come back on, uh, Alex Reynolds and John Silver, who are in creeper attire but unmasked, uh, attack. Uh, Evil Uno comes out on stage, says this is a not a recruitment, but an initiation. I wrote a million creepers attack. Uh, there were a lot of them in the ring here. Christopher Daniels tries to save SCU and the young bucks, but he essentially just gets swarmed by creepers. Kenny Omega tries to come in and do the same, but he gets swarmed. Cody and Dustin, they try to help, but they get swarmed and the order stand tall at the end of the show. And I noted this has to be something that Excalibur was, uh, this has to be something that, uh, Excalibur was thinking in the back of his mind because <laughs> there are, there's a few words that close out the show and I would like to read them to you exactly as they occurred. Are you okay with this, Nick? Go ahead. JR says the movie battleship is up next. And Excalibur says, despicable which has to be like getting the last word in 
This has to be some sort of snide shot at the awful movie Battleship. Yeah, probably. Because <laughs> I laughed. That was the end of the show. The movie Battleship is up next. Despicable. Awesome ending. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was really cool how they built up Dark Order all throughout the show just for this big, almost re-debut at the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but the, the new recruits got purple masks, so maybe that's yes. to make them stand out, huh? And there was a, one other fellow in the ring with a purple mask on. And he was kind of slender, and I'm wondering if it's Brandon Cutler, and it just hasn't been revealed to anybody yet. Because it was yeah, that's a big possibility. It was a guy who looked like he had some definition, but he was also kind of slender. So I wonder if that's a a thing that he is secretly in the Dark Order, but mm. they don't. The Young Bucks don't know about it. All right, so let's talk about uh, our year end awards here for AEW. They have not been around for very long, but they have been around for almost the whole year. So I think there's enough to go off of for the first year, but a lot of stuff ended up being really surprising picks for me. Uh, I'm curious. Uh, I did not, I do not have them listed here in my notes, Nick, as I send them to you. So you'll have to kind of pick through yours, but I'm going to start with breakout star of the year. So this would be the person who, wasn't necessarily on the radar of a lot of people, but is now. Uh, who would you give that to? R.B. Allen, all the way. I think he made a big deal out of himself. Um, I think that he had some of the better matches this year, and I don't think he was someone that a lot of people knew about until Cody kind of made him in that first major performance. So mm-hmm. I think he's definitely best candidate for Breakout Star. Yeah, Darby Allen was my pick as well. Uh I'd not seen a lot of him going into this year, and uh, I've walked away from this thinking, you know, he's got big star, big star potential. Uh, Future star. So this would be somebody who hasn't quite had that breakout moment yet, but somebody who's like on the cusp of it. What do you think? I think uh, she has been, I think she was so good that they literally had to hire her. Like she was brought in to do, you know, dark, and then the response for her was so good that I think she's going to eventually be a future women's world champion. Oh, there, that's how great she's going to be. Statlander, yeah. Um, I I actually went with Jungle Boy for mine. Uh, I, I originally was thinking like maybe Luchasaurus because mm-hmm. of how over he had gotten, but you know, after seeing him in a one-on-one situation, as he's a little more limited than I thought, uh, and maybe he's better off in the like the six man thing, but jungle boy, I think has a lot of, uh, uh, I think has a lot of potential there for sure. Um, okay. What about feud of the year? I'm going to say that, and I was not expecting this to be my pick, but they really built it up, um, from what was originally just kind of an eh, announcement of a match, but Cody and Chris Jericho, they Mm -hmm. had, of a feud, and I think it's been the best thing that's happened on Dynamite all year. Yeah, I agree. For me, it's also the uh, the uh, the Jericho Cody feud. Uh, again, wasn't really expecting it right when this all began, but holy cow! Uh, just an amazing, just a great setup, just a great yes. feud. And it paid off with the match wasn't quite as good, but still uh, just a great lead up. And I loved everything they did every week. Uh, Tag team of the year. I got to go with the Young Bucks, Uh, even though they haven't been as impressive as, well, I mean, they're impressive in the ring, but I guess from a win-loss record standpoint, they've kind of cooled off a bit. I still think they're putting on the best matches of any team in AEW. Mm-hmm. I um feel like something similar, but I went a different direction, and I went with the Lucha Brothers. This was Ooh. primarily off of their earlier work, though, uh, and not so much the recent stuff, although the recent stuff hasn't been bad. But I'm thinking back to the, the two matches with the Young Bucks on the big pay-per-views this year, uh, and even the in-between stuff that they had in between those shows on, like, uh, 
um, were they on Fighter Fest? I don't remember. I know they were on Fight for the Fall, and they had a good match with SCU there. Uh, I think they did like a maybe a six man on that. I'm not sure. Yeah, and they had oh yeah, they did the six man in the main event. That was good. Uh, and then they had like the really fun match with Private Party. Uh, I feel like they had a really good, a really good run. Uh, it's just lately it's been a little slow, uh, for them, but all in all, uh, my favorite team of the year, uh, women's wrestler of the year. Without question, it's Riho. Um, the women's division was kind of lacking. I feel like it's gotten a lot better. They've signed some better wrestlers. I'm glad they're taking the focus off of, the original plan of making Britt Baker the big star. I think AEW has been good at adapting in that way. And Rio has just been putting on great matches. She's truly uh, the women's star of the year. Yeah. I also went with Riho. There's kind of really not another option. Uh, She's the only one who has really put on uh, fairly consistently good to really good performances. Uh, Nobody's really been great but she's been as close to great as they've got. Uh, So, yes. Okay, so moving on. uh, Men's Wrestler of the Year, Nick. Uh, Who have you got? I went with Cody. I think he has been a surprise. I really thought if I was going to tell myself at the beginning of this whole AEW thing that he was going to be my pick for uh, Men's Wrestler of the Year, I think I'd be saying no, it's going to be Kenny Omega, but... He really has had the star-making performances this year. He's become the biggest babyface in AEW. He's a dumb babyface, but he's oh, yeah. a great babyface still. He's Sting. Yes. <laughs> um, he's not smart. But, yeah. I Again, when this company started, I would not have said Cody. But here I am saying Cody. Uh, I thought for sure this would be like, Kenny Omega, maybe maybe even Chris Jericho somehow, or something like that. Moxley, maybe, but no, Cody. He's the most over babyface. He's had a surprisingly high number of really good matches. A few that I would quantify as great. Uh, unexpectedly, my favorite male wrestler for 2019 in AEW. Uh, best event of 2019, Nick. So this is, you're free, I suppose, to pick an episode of Dynamite if you want, but largely I think this would be considered, uh, pay-per-view or pay-per-view adjacent event. So that would also encompass Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fallen. I would say it was definitely Fighter Fest. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) that Michael Nakazawa Jabaley match, put it over the top. Um... Double or Nothing, I think, was the best show that they put on this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to go with All Out because I was there, but if if I got to be honest with myself, I just think that first show had all the best stuff. It had that legendary Cody Dustin match. It had the Bucks and Lucha Bros. It was just a full, amazing card. Jericho and, and Kenny was a solid match. Yeah. The Joshi women's six, exactly. six woman was really good. Uh, even the four-way women's match was good. Uh, SCU and Stronghearts. That was my event of the year also, by the way, everybody. Double or nothing. Uh, I think just top to bottom, just an excellent show. Uh, I don't, I'm not even sure. I don't think they've captured the heights of that show yet. Like they started off incredibly strong and they haven't quite hit those high notes again. So, uh, what was your... 2019 AEW match of the year. So this was a tough one because I had a couple choices that I really liked. Just Same. for an honorable mention, I really thought that the Young Bucks and uh, Lucha Brothers in the ladder match was an incredible contest, an incredible spectacle. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of the best ladder matches I've ever seen. But mm-hmm. emotion wise, wrestling wise, just all the things that you want in a pro wrestling story, like a match that made you excited, but made you cry a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Cody versus Dustin at double or nothing. Wow. Just a great match. Yep. 
once again, one of those things that I didn't see myself picking that. I didn't even think that was going to be one of the stronger matches on the card. I just thought this is their attempt to try and make up for what happened in WWE. Uh-uh. Yeah. Blew that away completely. Yeah. What a match. It's It gave Dustin a resurgence to where I was just like, you know, I didn't realize how good this guy was, I don't think, mm-hmm. outside of that WWE system. Like, even so, the like, when I watch him on TV now, I'm impressed by the thing he does. That, that was match of the year to me. Yeah, he's... Uh, that was a that was just a ridiculously good match and unexpectedly good. Uh, that match for me gets an honorable mention. Uh, I thought that match was incredible. I thought the first Young Bucks Lucha Brothers match at Double or Nothing was uh, also incredible. Another honorable mention. Uh, but my match of the year was the Young Bucks Lucha Brothers ladder match at okay. All Out. I thought that was just incredible. Uh, just the craziest ladder match I think I've ever seen. Uh, stuff that happened on purpose was insane. Stuff that happened on accident was insane. Uh, just everything they did in that match was was so good, but also scary. And I I just I love that match. I, I don't think anything else has topped that for me this year in AEW. That was my match of the year. Uh, all right, let's talk about. Overall wrestler. So, hypothetically speaking, you take your women's wrestler of the year, your men's wrestler of the year, and uh, smash those action figures together and see who comes out on top. But it's also possible that you could pick somebody different that you think overall was better. Like, Cody might be your your favorite men's wrestler of the year, but there might be a wrestler who you think is better. Uh, Who did you pick for overall wrestler? So... Overall wrestler of the year, I think, would have to be Chris Jericho for reinventing himself yet again, creating the inner circle, being entertaining as hell every week. Yeah. Adding all this extra importance to matches that I didn't think would have it. Like, I feel like he made a big deal out of Jack Perry with this most recent match. He did the big feud with Cody the things he's done with MJF just, and I think he's been like the biggest champion for AEW as far as like outside of the AEW bubble. Like when they interview him or when he does talk his Jericho's thing, things like that. I think he's been like the MVP of AEW this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, For sure. I still went with, I went with the tried and true traditional method of smashing my two previous picks together uh, in a battle to see who comes out on top. In which case I went with Cody uh, again, I just think that he's been, I mean, I've already said it. He's been incredible and I did not expect him to be, I expected him to be okay. And I expected him to cut some good promos cause I knew he's a good talker, but mm. his in ring has been far better than I expected. And his yes. promos were like, on another level, like him and Jericho were unbelievable. And I agree with you. I, I will not disparage your pick of Chris Jericho. Uh, he's been incredible this year as well, but holy cow, just <laughs> what a, what a year though for Cody. And I mean, on, on top of all that, he's kind of like the public figurehead of the company, I guess, even though he doesn't really run it, but, uh, it, a lot of people look at him like he does and he's kind of taken on that spokesperson for the EVPs role. Uh, you know, he talks more on the company than the Young Bucks or Kenny does. So, uh, mm. you know, just a crazy year. I feel like AEW started out incredibly strong, though, and has sort of slowly dipped uh, as the as the year has gone on. But that's not to say uh, this is, of course, a roller coaster ride. It's going to have its dips, and it's hard to be on point when your first show was as good as Double or Nothing was. Uh, it's difficult to maintain that throughout the whole year. So we'll get a fresh start starting next year. I, I hear that they may, uh, every year, erase the win-loss records. So mm-hmm. people start at 0-0 zero and zero and then work their way through the year. So this way it's not a, you don't have a 75 wins and 37 losses record. But, you know, we'll see. I'm sure they'll have, like, an overall win total count. But mm-hmm. I think for the purposes of when the year starts, everybody will start with a, a clean slate of zero and zero, like every sports team does uh, when a new year starts. So, 
yeah, that was AEW for 2019. That was Dynamite uh, for this week. I'm trying to think what was announced for the January 1st show. I believe they've announced Cody and uh, Darby Allen, And I think they've announced Ken Omega and Pac, I believe, have both been announced for that show. Plus, there's the MJF stipulation reveal uh, will happen on that show as well. Uh, so that's all going on for the January 1st show. Uh, all right. Hopefully a party with Marty. <laughs> oh, and, and maybe. Uh, and by the way, AEW Dark this week, commentated by Colt Cabana. So, That's pretty exciting because I believe him and uh, Marty just left Ring of Honor or had their or finished up their final dates after final battle. I know Marty showed up in NWA. Seeing Colt show up in AEW to do commentary is pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's that, and also uh, Sammy Guevara and Brandon Cutler have a match. Uh, Santana and Ortiz take on the Hybrid Two, best friends in private party in a four way. And uh, Joey Janela and Sean Spears. That's all on Dark uh, for uh, the holiday season. And speaking of which, uh, I hope I'm not stepping out of bounds here, Nick, by assuming that you, like me, hope everybody has a good one, uh, a holiday uh, weekend. Whether you celebrate anything or not, you're probably going to get time away from work. So enjoy that. And uh, that's it for the show for this week. Head on over to cinemageekly.com to check out the archives of the show. And, of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Just search for The Elitists. Hit subscribe. No show on uh, Christmas Day. So we're going to be back in a couple weeks talking the January 1st episode of AEW Dynamite featuring Kenny Omega and Pac. Pack.